Hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Medics podcast. My name is Imran Lasker. I'm a consultant radiologist. And yeah, we don't actually have anyone else today. It's just me. Therusha wasn't feeling very well. We were meant to record on Thursday, but I was pretty jet lagged having had my trip to Bangladesh. It's been a long time since I went to Bangladesh, actually, and it was a really great trip. It was lovely to see a whole load of family. What actually happened was it, my cousin actually got married during the pandemic, but couldn't have a wedding during the pandemic for obvious reasons. And since that, has had a kid and then decided to coincide the first birthday with their wedding and asked me to come because there'll be a whole load of family there. And I went and um, I'm back now. And I don't know how so much time flies by every time I go and come back and I always feel, you know what, I'm going to start going more often. Now, Bangladesh itself, for those of you that don't know, is a very small part of the world with a massive population. And you really do feel it when you, you get there. And my family from a place called Dhaka, which is the capital of Bangladesh. And it is absolutely jam-packed with people. Like you just feel it. You just feel so many people packed into one place. There's, I don't know how else to describe it. I don't know whether this is still the same thing anymore, but back in the day when you went to Oxford Street on the weekend, it was just so many people. But that's what it feels like all the time when you're out there. And... I guess you always take different things from a place like that or wherever you visit, which I think, which is why I think if you can, it is good to visit as many places in the world as possible. And in Bangladesh, there is some serious poverty, it really is. And it's, it always humbles me whenever I go back to understand like how lucky, how lucky I am because it was just a lottery, isn't it? Like I could have been born anywhere else in the world. I could have been born in the same country, but a slightly different family background, all sorts of things. And maybe things wouldn't be the way they are. And uh, yeah, I always think about that. And I think I've said this on previous podcast episodes that I, I'm always happy. I'm always grateful for, for everything that I've got. And even if I went back to being an F1, I'd be happy. Even if I just got my DR, I'd be happy. Even if I just finished uni, did nothing else, I'd have been happy because it's just so much more than what some people have. And it always reminds me of something my aunt told me when I was, I think I was, hadn't even done my GCSEs yet. And I must have been sad for some reason, I can't remember why, but she was like, listen, you're not looking at things correctly. Like you are already living someone else's dream. You're already living someone else's dream. And I couldn't understand what she meant. And she was like, listen, you live in England. You know how many people just give up everything just to get that passport? You know, you don't understand like how valuable that is. And then she was like, what about your two arms? What about two legs? What about having eyes? What about all those things? And I thought, you know what? Yeah, you're right. And I really have kept that in mind through throughout most things as time's gone on. Just try and be as grateful as possible for everything that I have. And every time I go there, I'm always humbled by the people that are there and just amazed that they, yeah, I don't know how they carry on some of them. I really don't because they're just struggling so much. Um, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, through shirt, like I said, I can't make it this week. And what did he say about my Bangladesh thing? Yeah, she, I was, he said I was getting into the football. Uh, as some of you guys know, I'm, I'm not really into football at all. I find the whole thing a bit strange and a lot of the stuff that's been going on with Qatar and some of the things that people are saying, I don't think are entirely fair because at the end of the day, it's just football. People are just kicking the ball around. I don't know, whatever. Maybe I've got that wrong. Uh, a few people might tweet it back at me and explain to me why football means so much. But I don't know. I just find it weird. Like they'll have these big campaigns about, I don't know, no racism in football. And like, yeah, but like, what about everything else though? Can we not just get, ra get rid of racism everywhere else? I like, no, but it represents the more. I like, no, it doesn't though. It's just football. Uh, anyway, that's just me being me. What else? Yeah, I ate loads of food. Oh, I ate so much food out there. That's all I did. Just eat and eat. And I got, actually did get food poisoning. I got something called 
doi fusca or something. I don't know how to describe it. Like you get these yogurt and you get all this kind of crunchy stuff put into this. I'm explaining it terribly. I'm just uh, not explaining this very well. But anyway, I had some food and um, it completely ruined me for the first day afterwards. And then I thought I got better. And the day before coming back, I was completely ruined. I don't know how it came completely ruined for quite a while. And I don't think I'm entirely better in truth. But anyway, we'll see. Hopefully things will get better. So this week, it's just me. I hope, I'm really sorry that having the very, very lively and wonderful Thrusha with us today, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll be both back together on this week's episode. Again, circumstances just didn't allow it and we very much are doing this podcast as a team. No sponsors this week, unfortunately. Not enough of you bought the uh, the Manscaped stuff. Why? It was so good. Anyway, I'm not sponsored by them. But I, I'm genuinely, I'm, I'm saying it was actually really good products and I don't think I would have bought them anyway. But I'm glad I've got some of the stuff because, yeah, it's quite nice, actually. So let's go for the tweets of the week. So we had a tweet this week about cremation forms. So hi, those cremation forms that you make us do for free. They're not actually in our contract. So you can, can you pay us for them? So the trust go, OK, we'll think about it. Two months later, here you go. We've now written into your contract. So you have to do them. And this is the thing, like when it comes to, I mean, let's face it, when it comes to money, yeah, and I've say this all the time, like follow the money, look where the money is going, figure out what's going on with that, and then that usually gives you the answer to most things. No one wants to pay you for anything, like anything, and if they can get you to do it for free, they will try and find a way to do it for free. And even if it's underhand, they'll try and do it. Even if it's not completely correct, they're going to try it because they're going to hope that you don't fight. And this is, you know what, a tale as old as time, tale as old as time. I've, I've seen this for you, I haven't been a doctor for that long comparison to some people out there, but genuinely what's that phrase that they say these days i've heard it a lot they say it's easier to say sorry it's easier to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission and that's the kind of stuff like when trust or anything like that comes in and makes a change they're gonna try and push it see if they get away with it and if they get away with it then great and if they don't then they'll be like oh sorry okay we'll we'll try and try and fix that situation and this is the same thing that's going to happen with the industrial action if you make it about anything else but money about it, but pay people are going to always throw in other things. They're going to be like, oh no, but it's more than that. Oh, okay, you said more than that. What else could it be about? And we're going to be like, oh, it's about, I don't know, like staffing and stuff. And they're like, oh, okay, staffing and stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then they'll just like figure out something to get uh, more people to look like there's more staff. Or they'll say, no, okay, we're going to promise more doctors. And they're not going to really answer how they're going to do it. But they'll just say it. Just to give you everything but, everything but the money, Okay. So I know I jokingly am like money Imran or whatever people may say, but just trust me, yeah? make it anything else but money or follow it and see where it's going and see why decisions are being made. Usually you'll see that anything to save costs, anything to try and pay you less or make you work for free, they're going to try it. They're going to try it. And this really is, I think, about time that we all said no enough. And this is the kind of thing that kind of brings me on to a really sad thing that happened this week where a junior doctor has been jailed after driving, causing quite significant road traffic collisions, having had a night shift. And I, I do understand there was more to the story, but I think this did catch on because obviously being people who do night shift work, quite hefty night shift work, and have, usually having employers that don't really provide any sort of on-call room or tax service back, it does put you in a bit of a precarious position as to, okay, you finish your shift. What do you do? Where do you go? Do you just chance it, go home and hope you make it? Is that really a decision that everyone is comfortable with? But again, again, in this situation, right? If a trust is going to pay for a taxi, hello, pay for a taxi, 
they're going to pay for a taxi. They don't want to pay for anything. They don't want to pay for anything. And then you say, okay, we need a room to like sleep in at least. Well, you know what? That's going to cost. They're not going to want to do that either. And so um, these are the kind of things that we really need to fight for, like really need to fight for on a lot of levels, just try and get some sort of self-respect back into this job where we can actually um, do the best job we can to the best of our ability, know that we'd have to worry about anything else, but do the best job that is possible. I just think this is one of the things that needs to be fought for. But that kind of brings us on to another tweet by someone called Joshua Wilcox. And no, they actually quote tweeted someone else. And the, they were quote tweeting someone who was saying that actually the NHS are overwhelmed by workload. And this is a huge problem, but leaking, leaping to assume that this means the NHS needs a huge amount more staff is a terrible diagnosis, a little like assuming every headache requires brain surgery. And obviously it is a very complex set of events that has resulted in the amount of workload. It's a lot to do with like general public attitudes towards health and what healthcare represents and what they expect to get. But you can't deny that having staff is going to significantly ease issues because you just got to take a look at the rotor gaps. Just have a look at the rotor gaps, right? If there are rotor gaps at all, what would make things easier about rotor gaps is not getting someone else to hold on to the bleep or multiple bleeps. It's going to be just having more people around to try and actually get the job done. And that brings us on to a tweet by at Harry underscore W. There's a gap today that no locum filled, so I'm carrying both bleeps and doing the work of two people for free because they won't pay me the locum money because I'm already at work. So what's the incentive for the trust to fill it? Haven't had a break yet. And I often wonder this. I often do wonder this because the situation is that they don't want to pay for a locum. Of course they don't, not really. So I don't know how hard they're really going to try to fill that space, but if they can't, then they know that someone's going to pick it up and you, if you've got a goodwill, probably going to do a pretty decent job of covering it. And guess what? If things go wrong, then maybe you shouldn't have held on to both bleeps. Maybe I'm cynical, but these days, I just don't think it's worth taking that risk. I think you really do need to look after yourself and say, look, I'm sorry. And even if someone thinks that you're not a very good doctor, fair enough, I'm sorry, but I can't. I, I don't think I'll be able to do that safely and just leave it at that. And do it. I just think that there's another one of the situations where we're all going to take an advantage of. And as long if they can try and avoid paying for things, then yeah, go for it. Let's, let's not pay for it. Let's just get someone to hold on to more of more bleeps. And, and this is how mistakes happen. And we had that poor paediatrician who got into a lot of trouble for holding multiple bleeps on a very busy paediatric on call and ended up getting, well, getting, well, suspended, wasn't it? Which is really quite sad. I think, yeah, th these things are really difficult. And I, I just think that we should, and I'm not trying to say trusts are evil and they've got their own sort of things to worry about and their own sort of pressures. But I just think that sometimes when these decisions are made, there's a lack of a human element to it. Whoever's making that decision hasn't really thought about the person that's going to need to cover more than one person's work or like beyond that person thinking like, okay, how is this person going to look after this many wards and do this much work? And Roshana actually um, tweeted out something else where you feel like you're missing the human side of you, aren't you? And she said, I almost have no words. This was sent to staff today from a trust with multiple recent staff suicides. And essentially they were saying that if you're unwell, there are certain protocols I need to follow. And if you're not following it, then you're going to get your pay deducted. And they were just very heavy handed in their, in the way that they are dealing with sickness and illness amongst their staff. And, and it's times like this when I just, I really, 
winds me up as to like why we're putting ourselves through this. Like why is anyone turning up to work in these kind of places? And the trust, I'm not going to name the trust that is mentioned in this email. After a while, which trusts you do want to avoid? You just got to go and ask someone. You've got to ask a mate of a mate who used to work there. And I, I've done it for people where someone's asked me, hey, you used to work at this place. Do you reckon I should, should go there? And be like, absolutely not. Because this was my experience of it. But I always try and say, look, this was my experience of it. Not, it's not everyone's experience of it, but my experience of this particular place was that I may have got bullied. I may have, I may have had some, some bit of racism thrown my way and that kind of stuff. And I do think that unofficial guideline that does exist is a really important thing to have. And um, the trust that has been mentioned here is apparently one of those kind of problem places that seems to be just renowned for being a difficult place to work. But interesting, isn't that what all these GMC surveys are for and all the surveys that they do? I'm sure they're smashing on those, somehow managing to get away mm. with not seeming like they've got many issues whatsoever. But then maybe that's where sort of circles of trust are quite important to have, unless you may be in a Twitter circle. Now, Twitter circles, I don't know if people are aware of, but Twitter circles are a way to really focus your tweets and show it to only a very select few people. And I have not taken part in Twitter circles at all, like at all, because I just, you just worry that someone is going to take a screen cap of something and then take it completely out of context. And so even now, like I'm very much of a WhatsApper, right? I don't really go beyond WhatsApp in terms of tweeting about something that I don't want everyone in the entire world to misinterpret if I'm had a bit of a rough day and be like, oh, ridiculous request as usual. Yeah, I don't want to be tweeting that out because people are not going to understand me and who I am and how I actually let most things through. And I do understand that people have hard days as well. Like, I don't need to have those conversations with people that I don't know. And I'd rather keep it with people that I know really well. And uh, Paul Thrush has been on the receiving end of a number of my, my messages about that kind of thing. When things do get a little bit like, oh, I'm not so sure about this, this medicine game so much. So there was a, another tweet. We're talking about the medicine game. And it's a bit of a game, isn't it? So Rosie Barua, she was talking about the obs an observational study examining the mechanical complications after CVC insertion, male operator gender, amongst others, associated with increased rate of complications. It's quite interesting, actually. I never, ever thought of any sort of research into sort of gender inequality or gender, or gender roles with regards to, I guess, procedural things. And I know jokingly people say, oh, guys are better than this and girls are better than this. Well, I don't know. Or maybe they aren't. But it's just interesting that there has been some sort of attempt at research into this. But I think the point is here that there are going to be a few confounding factors in terms of male trainees may have a great number of procedures offered to them based on the fact that they're just male and it's a male orientated workplace and that kind of thing. So I think Rosie is, is, is worth having a, a look at this tweet that she tweeted out. And 9.58 on December the 5th, 2022, just to see quite an interesting mini breakdown of some of the things that could be contributing to the apparent results that came up on that particular particular paper. Oh, Thrusha has thrown in a tweet from myself. Okay, let's see what he's done here. Oh yeah, yeah, I think. Okay, so I often do joke about how I don't like my, my kids all that much. And I do worry that when they grow up, they might decide to go through the the wealth of silly tweets and TikToks and YouTube videos and lectures I've done and stumble upon the podcast and listen to my this podcast and listen to me talking 
<laughs> about them and how annoying they are. And look, I, they are annoying. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. They drive me up the wall like a lot of the time. But I, I've said this with Trusha before. Like it's a weird situation in that they drive you up the wall until they're gone, and then you think, oh, where are they gone? Like I have them back. So I, like I said, I had to go to my cousin's. Well, I didn't have to, but I decided to go to my cousin's wedding slash kid's first birthday thing. And I couldn't take them with me because it, they're still at school. And this event was happening a week before their Christmas holidays or two weeks before the Christmas holidays were going to start, essentially. And I thought it'd be fine. I'd be like, you know what, I'd be quick. I'd be there and gone very quickly. But as the days went on, I started to feel like there was something missing. What's happened? Why am I feeling a bit weird about all this? And I really didn't feel like doing very much while I was out there. Like my family kept saying, oh, do you want to go see this bridge? Do you want to go see this thing? Do you want to see? And I, was like, Mate, I didn't come to like Bangladesh to see some bridge. Yeah, I don't care about the bridge. And I just started noticing that I wasn't as happy as I usually am. And then it culminated in when I went to the shops to buy something, and there's a proper little toy area. And I just straight away started going there, and started looking at all the toys, and just think about, oh, my son would really like that, or my daughter would really like that, oh, my son would really like that. And then I started feeling really sad. And then I was like, man, am I actually going to cry about this? And I did almost like properly start to cry and I, I guess yeah but if you are listening to this in I don't know 20 years from now dad didn't mind you so much you weren't you're annoying but yeah I did love you guys as well so anyway if you do hear this come and try and remember and I'm still around and uh, do come and give me a hug <laughs> that'd be nice it'd be nice sitting there as an old man and get a random phone call from you and uh, yeah have a quick chat and maybe even catch up yeah it was some there was a tweet that kind of brings me on to a tweet from Lady Glockenflecken I hope I've said that, or glaucoma flecken. Anyway, this was a tweet about Ma, Dr. Glaucon Flecken's mother, who's unwell. Best wishes. I hope she gets better. And he does this, he does a video, and it might be worth checking out on the, at 2.44 a.m., December the 6th, 2022. And he's tweeting about his mom, how much he cares about her, and then does this video, which really struck me. He shows a video of his mum going to visit their house after they've had an extension. And you can just see how wonderfully proud of him she really is and like how how much joy she got from like how wonderful the place looks. And I've got to say, this guy's got a really nice looking place. All credit to you. It's very hard to find people that are genuinely happy for you, like genuinely, genuinely happy for you. And I guess one of those people are more than likely to be your parents. And it reminded me a lot of that, actually, and how proud parents can be, even if you don't do all that much. And they just seem to be proud. When my kid comes in and shows me a really rubbish drawing, it's a rubbish drawing, but you're still like, yeah, it's really nice. It's really lovely. I'm really proud of you. And you are proud that they made the effort and stuff. And it's, it is really quite nice, actually, to be able to know that you've got someone that's got your back and genuinely wants the best things for you. Now, in another situation where sometimes people don't want the best things for you, Dr. Dean, Dr. Underscore Dean S highlighted the epitome of British people. I don't know whether it's just British people, but anyway, constantly pulling up the ladder so to stop others getting um, what they had. So you buy it. So they had a photo of a new build and um, on the front of the new build, someone has put a sign up, like a little picket thing saying, protect our green, say no to the planning applications. And it all seems a bit like, oh, a bit hypocritical that you could be living in a new build and... Um, putting a sign like that up to be fair to them it might not be this new build looks like it's like multiple new builds within the car parks so it might not be that specific person but clearly someone in that new build and that community is not entirely happy of uh, about a new build if that's a phrase to use but yeah that is quite funny that people have got no sort of uh, self-awareness 
when it comes to when it comes to when it comes to things like this. And the idea of pulling up the ladder does seem to be a recurring theme amongst, I guess, medical people as well, isn't it? People often say that there'll be consultants who uh, won't support their juniors and make it more difficult for juniors to progress up that ladder. And I think it's a real shame. Like I don't understand where that comes from. Like why people feel that need to try and pull up the ladder or wish. I don't know, do they feel like something's going to be lost from themselves? Like they're going to lose something by helping someone else out? I, I just don't, I don't understand it. I mean, the only reason that I get to do what I do is because someone helped me out. And I think that's going to be the case for a lot of people. My entire careers are made from people who just help each other. And I find that it's really sad that we're still in a situation where there are individuals who get to quite significant positions that are, that are willing to just take someone out like that or to pull up the ladder. And you see it time and time again with the interactions where you get people who just come in and start spewing out a whole load of randomness about how things were so much harder in their day. But interestingly, I've noticed, I'm, I'm not going to name names because I don't want said individual to be subject to any sort of bullying or them come at me saying that I've singled them out. But I've always, I have noticed that there are people that I have previously known as medical students or even when we were medical students or when I was working with, as junior doctors, tweet very weird sentiments which kind of echo the sentiments of people that you wouldn't ex expect them to echo. Like, why would you be saying stuff like, oh, this is not the correct forum to be putting out those views. I don't think that's the right thing to do. And just just going on like in a way that you know the kind of consultant they're already trying to be or they're trying to see they're going to try and be they're not going to be the kind of person you're going to want to go to for anything but they're probably going to end up in in a position of being some sort of like training program director or something i don't know maybe i'm being cynical as usual i guess it just must show you the kind of person they probably always were underneath it or while they were going through their training and i guess at some point you do have to make a decision as to what kind of consultant you're really going to be. But I, I, I do think that I've noticed there's like a separation. So I've noticed that there are situations where someone is a certain person at work, but then they're also a certain other kind of person where they're, when they're with their friends and they're another kind of person when with their family. And so they could be a horrendous person at work, but they're a wonderful friend and a wonderful person to the family. And I just find that really odd behavior. I don't think that's very, I don't think that's cool. I think you should just be the same wherever you are. So if you're going to be nice to your family, then you probably should be nice to your colleagues and stuff as well. I guess as part of the whole bigger picture thing that I like to talk about a lot uh, on this podcast and various other podcasts and my own YouTube videos and stuff, where I really do talk about, think about the bigger picture and think about where you want to be. But I also think it's also about what kind of person do you want to be? Like what kind of consultant do you want to be? And I think you can make those decisions far earlier on than becoming any of those things and striving towards striving towards it rather than just turning up and then suddenly finding out that you know what to do well in this place you have to be really mean you have to like really push people around and that's just the way things are and that's the way th to do things anyway that's my two cents i'm sorry it's been a really boring episode I don't have any of the uh, the fun that three should brings this week we will be back again next week for you guys with a brand new episode as always thank you so much for for listening and so until next week try and be nice to each other and it's nice to be back it's nice to be back in london and i'm sure i'll be seeing or speaking to you soon bye